Hey guys, this is Craig Hostetler and I want to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thanks for hanging out with me on the podcast. This is, uh, dude, I think this is episode 40. Uh, yes, this is episode 40. So, wow, thank you for hanging out with me uh, on episode 40. Now, what I want to talk to you today about is fear. Uh, and we're going to we're going to discuss that in just a moment but i wanted to keep you aware uh in the next 2 to 3 weeks i'm going to have a couple of different guests that uh i think are incredibly interesting uh and bring a very different perspective to the ideology the theology the belief system that is christianity and so i think that both of the next couple of interviews are going to be something that you really don't want to miss. There's something that are there are things that are going to be expansive, challenging, uh, all those kinds of things to your faith. And so make sure that you are available or check out those particular podcasts within the next couple of weeks. And also again, and we talk about this quite frequently. Um, Make sure you guys are following me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. You can look for me, Craig Hostetler. You can look for the Black Sheep Experience. Uh, I'm on all those platforms as well. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, and I don't inundate, like I'm not posting every hour or anything like that. But still, just your like, your follow really makes a huge difference. So if you would do that, I'd appreciate it. And once again, always share, share, share. If you, hear, if you like anything that you hear on the podcast, please share it to your social media stuff um, because I don't do advertising. I don't do any of those kinds of things. And you are the avenue, the only avenue really that I have for new um, or expanding the listenership of this podcast. So we've had a couple of really great podcasts in the past. Um, just had um, uh, um, Bishop Pearson on, Carlton Pearson, which was a great podcast. And uh, oh, there's just been so many, you know, I hate to start naming names because then I'll leave somebody out that kind of thing. But um, it's been a very cool ride, man. I hope you've really enjoyed being a part of that. And each one of you really are. Um, you know, you're a part of this experience, which is interesting because when I began the podcast, I realized the black sheep experience doesn't necessarily just roll off the tongue. But the intention was to follow um, and to expand and to grow in your own experience as a renegade, as a rebel, as a as an independent thinker, uh, which if you're listening to this podcast, more than likely, that's what you are. You're an independent thinker. You're a person that wants to discover what truth is and, and, and what that means to you personally, not just something regurgitated by the masses. And I applaud you for that. It's not easy. Um to go out on your own. It's not easy to make a stand 
against convention, particularly when convention is so predominant in a community or <clears throat> in a society. Um, so that's what we are. We're black sheep, and this is our experience. All right. Um, so without any further ado, let's talk a little bit about the subject of fear. Now, there's an interesting um, text found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Um, and the text says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, this is a Bible verse, right? For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Uh, if you could think about that verse for just a moment, if you could think about all the, I, I, I guess there's so many things being said in that particular passage that I find incredibly interesting, particularly within the conversation that is, you know, evangelical Christianity. There is no fear in love. Um, and then he goes on to say perfect love, which we would, I think, Everybody here would agree God's love has to be perfect if it's his love. So perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears. And, and this is, I think, one of the more pu uh, puzzling, contemplative passages in Scripture. Um, whoever fears has not been been perfected in love. Now, that's from the Bible, and it's written for you and I, and the author is saying, perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. If God loves you, then there's no fear involved in that love. And if you still have fear of retribution, um, some type of corrective move or hell itself, um, then you still have a ways to grow in the area of divine love. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. Um, so here we are at the beginning of, um, October, right? We have, uh, the, the equinox has already happened. So we're full into fall, which I love fall and I love Halloween. Um, yeah. So every year my wife and I go to a town in Arkansas called Eureka Springs, uh, Arkansas, which is just, I mean, it is the coolest town in the entire world. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And we've been going there for a long time. Um, I think we started the, the very first year we were married. <laughs> we went there and we've gone almost every single year, multiple times, every single year since then. And we've been married for about 22 years now, going on 23. 
and uh, we absolutely love it. So every year for the past maybe five or six years, we've gone down to their Halloween celebration. And Gina and I, we do it upright. We we dress up, you know, we come up with costume ideas and we dress up. We participate um, in all the events going on within the town and there's a ton of stuff happening and we're going to do it again this year as well so we do it every year we absolutely, uh, my wife and I we love Halloween and we love to celebrate it in the town of, uh, of Eureka Springs so here we are getting ready to be immersed in the festivities, right, of Halloween which is a time of celebrating uh, almost celebrating the scare, right? You know, I remember in uh, in 1978. Now, I'm not saying I remember 1978, but in 78, there was this iconic horror film uh, called The Halloween. And it was released and it became this huge, enormous success. It has several sequels that followed. Uh, and the antithesis is this guy, Michael Myers, right? He's got this creepy white mask. Uh, it's just fear inducing by itself. And then it's coupled typically with this ominous piano. And, uh, so in 78, this flick comes out, it's bone chilling, scary, right? So around 79, maybe 80, I have a couple of cousins, uh, that I was, particularly close to at that time Mary and Jamie and they decided that I needed to see this movie (laughs) Halloween now I don't remember the peer pressure too well but since they often peer pressured me into roller coasters and all kinds of stupid food and (laughs) all that crap watching this movie probably wasn't any different right so uh, I've never been a huge horror movie fan. I'm still not, although I enjoy some of the some of it. It's fun, you know. But there I sat, watching this stupid movie with them. I was riveted. It's a 93-minute film. And so for the whole time, I'm captivated. I faked bravery, but I was... <laughs> I was so afraid, right? Um, and so that night, I, I remember laying awake in bed and every creak, every insignificant noise that a house naturally makes. Um, I don't know, somewhere in my mind, I was convinced that that had to be Michael Myers, right? It it, it was, uh, yeah, I was scared, right? Fear had kind of crept into my mind. It kept me awake. Uh, I even had this really chilling, very vivid nightmare, um, and it's a funny memory, right? It's funny to share that. It's funny to 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 tell you that story. Um, so that night, um, I felt fear. No matter how irrational that it was, it kind of had a hold of me, right? So I was afraid. Um, and so while I'm not necessarily an advocate for these, for horror movies, this kind of scare, right... Um, similar to a loud boo at a at an unsuspecting friend, Th- these kinds of scares are fun, right? These slasher flicks, these scary faces, the ominous piano—they're entertaining and they're fun. And we've all had a, a great laugh at scaring your friend or watching some goofy movie. Uh, but but that's not what I want to talk to you about, really. Whenever we're talking about fear, 
there's another kind of fear that isn't fun and it isn't cute and it isn't that boo or or that funny slasher movie. It's a fear that kind of invades our hearts and our minds. It keeps us awake at night or brings us intense anxiety, you know, throughout the day. It seizes us in much the same way, but it isn't simply a scare. Uh, It's a genuine fear. It's a genuine anxiety. It's a mind-crippling, life-stealing uncertainty of what we maybe what we don't know or what could be or a whole host of other possibilities. It robs us of life. And fear can be crippling. It can be hell on earth. It's a, it's a, it it, it steals, it destroys peace, right? And the joy of living. And I think that from time to time, we really have to deal with some of those fears that creep up and kind of take away the joy of life. Perhaps one of the hardest things that you and I have to do is uh, face and ultimately overcome fear. And fear represents itself in a lot of different ways. And who knows what it is that you're really afraid of. Maybe you're afraid of being alone. Maybe you're afraid of being poor. Maybe you're afraid of going to hell. Maybe you're afraid of getting sick or getting cancer or getting some kind of debilitating disease, terminal disease. Maybe you're afraid of death. There's all kinds of things that we can be afraid of. And and usually most of us have a fear that kind of haunts us. Um, Now, fear is kind of the antithesis of... Uh, of the will, of the freedom, of the power of the divine. It's a nemesis to the peace of the divine and the joy of God. And fear can be this kind of abusive tormented, uh, a tormentor that causes people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. And it often creeps in beyond the boundaries, beyond the borders, and becomes kind of this internal terrorist. Uh, on the inside of us that keeps us from experiencing love and joy, really living life. And here's the funny thing about that is, you know, you only have so much time uh, here on this earth to exist and to experience what it means to be a human being. And there's we could branch off into several diatribes about uh, the eternality of the spirit, the recreation of it. Uh, all those kinds of things. But you, the individual that you are right now, if you could just reach out and kind of grab a hold of your arm or your hand or or touch your body somewhere and, and, and feel the physical um, existence that is you, this existence is short. In fact, the Bible says that it's like a vapor. It's a mist. It lasts for a very short time. And so many of us go through this vapor. So many of us go through this momentary mist, which is you and I, um, afraid. What if my husband leaves me? What if my wife leaves me? What if I lose my job? What if... I get sick. What if this? What if that? We have all these things that keep us afraid. They keep us from a living, 
you know, existing? What if I go to hell? Oh, man, what if God gets mad? And I mean, think about all the things that you're afraid of. Think about all the things that creep in. Fear. It's been the greatest tool of tyrants, governmental and religious. It's been used by both to control and to manipulate and to steal from the masses. Fear um, is a tool used by employers, by spouses, by friends, all sorts of entities. Uh, Because fear is very persuasive. It's a manipulative emotion that may well be within the ranks of emotions second uh, only to love. And I really believe that. Fear is an incredibly powerful uh, force, really. Emotion. It's just an emotion, but it feels like a force. It feels like a power in, in your life. What is it that you're really afraid of? Think about that just for a moment. Um, Fear kind of develops into this rabid beast. The spiritual disease. You know, the, the scripture that we that we shared earlier, fear has torment, the author, the writer said. One of the things that people often ask um, is how do I get past being afraid? Man, I've heard so many preachers, well-meaning gurus speak about fear and how we can overcome or Uh, how we've not been given a spirit of fear. And all those things are true. However, when you're in the darkness, when you're captured by fear, you need more than just admonishment. You need more than just some stupid-ass sermon. We need more than someone simply telling us how wicked fear is. We already know how corrosive it is. What we need to know is, why should I not be afraid? Um, and I've read a lot of different things on that. There's a guy named uh, Frank Baum, and he's the author of The Wizard of Oz, and he said, there is no living thing that is not afraid when it faces danger. The true courage is in facing danger when you are afraid. Um, And courage is a noble trait. It's one of the uh, it's a trait that the Bible discusses and many spiritual leaders discuss many, many times. However, simply accepting fear as a tenant ever present with us um, here in the temple of the living God, which is what you and I are, that doesn't seem like an, I don't know, that doesn't feel acceptable to me. How interesting it is that God himself actually tells us not to be afraid, to have no fear, to be fearless. And this admonition um, isn't spoken because there's nothing ominous or ferocious or adversarial in this life. The Bible is really actually very repetitive about the troubles of this world, the enemies that we'll have, the battle that we are. Um, facing. God makes really no bones about the trials and tribulations of this life. Jesus even said, in this world you will have trouble. 
But the answer to this trouble that's in the world, these fears, um, seems to be there's a powerful verse um, that the Apostle Paul wrote and that he held on to where he said, He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And so what the Apostle is talking about is that within us there is this resonant, powerful, divine essence, the power, the spirit, the presence of the living God and it resides within us. And that power, that force, that intuition, that alchemy, that you name it, spirit, that thing that is in us is more powerful than the evil, than the wickedness that's in the world. Now, this sentiment isn't singular to Christianity. And while Christianity is my religion, it's important to note that the sentiments of overcoming the wickedness of this world um, it's not singular just to this religion. The concept portrayed by the Apostle Paul is the divine that is in me is more powerful than the failures, than the fear that's in the world. Um, the psalmist, the 23rd Psalm, which I'm sure you've heard, it's a powerful psalm. It's probably, even though it's, it's probably the most popular psalm, it is actually my favorite. And not because it's so popular, but because I love what it says. Um, the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And so what the psalmist is saying is, when I walk through the hardest and most difficult parts of my life, when I walk through the most fear-inducing pathways of my existence, I'm not going to be afraid, not because the circumstances aren't fear-inducing, not because the situations that I'm facing aren't worthy of being afraid or being full of fear, but because he who is within me, the divine on the inside, the presence, in fact, the psalmist says, um, because I know that you're with me, I'm not afraid, not of any form of evil because you, God, are with me. The expulsion of fear is the result of the invasion of the divine, the presence of God who is with us and in us. And so while the psalmist is experiencing the absence, the literal absence of fear in a very fear-inducing set of circumstances is not because he's not facing the trial or the tribulation or the enemy. In fact, the psalmist says, even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, right? Uh, the darkest of darks. He talks about when I'm surrounded by my enemies and I'm by, but yet, and yet I'm also beside still waters. 
The sole reason for the absence of the psalmist's fear isn't because of the absence of fear-inducing circumstances. It's because the divine is with him. Listen to that once again. So the absence of the psalmist's fear isn't because of the absence of fear-inducing circumstances. And the reason why I think that's important is because each one of us are going to face fear-inducing circumstances. Absolutely. Of course we are. But the absence of fear isn't because of the circumstances present or visible. The absence of fear is because the psalmist knows that God is with me. Now, if we take that back to our original passage, whoever fears has not been perfected in love, it kind of begins to make sense, doesn't it? Of all the things that we believe, of all the things that we follow hard after, of all the commandments that we seek to keep, the morals we strive to live by, the idea that there is this always there, ever abiding, never leaving, never forsaking power, the presence, the providence of God. This should be the most prominent theology that you and I fixate upon. Not hell. Um, Not sexuality. Not whatever it is that you're studying right now. The theology of always with me. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you to the very ends of the age. That should be the theology that our attention span is most fixated upon. The absence of fear, the solution for the fear problem is the intellectual, the intuitive knowing of the ever-present presence of God. Um, You know, there's so many years that I've spent searching for the presence of God as a um, a former Pentecostal, right? The presence of God was this huge thing, and there were all these different ways to find it and, and to attain it. Right? To get into it. Most of them were just absolute crap. Horrible Uh, theology, horrible, manipulative uh, tactics on the part of, uh, you know, preachers and evangelists that were just jerks, really. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, in, in the past decades of my Christian experience, I've heard so much garbage about the presence of God. Um that I now understand that those teachings and those ideas were not really a pathway to his presence, but they were more of a pathway to separation, which I think a lot of you and I 
out, uh, you know, listening to the podcast, joining in the podcast. I think that that we experience that quite a lot. That the majority of evangelical Christianity is fixated on the separation between God and man, as opposed to the unity that exists. So, how many of us spend most of our time focusing on troubles, focusing on trials, focusing on tribulations, uh, the pain, the upset the, uh, that we're experiencing, instead of the truth and the reality that the power of the divine is present? Uh, how many of us spend a great deal of our time judging um, Sizing up, evaluating what it is that we're going through as opposed to simply hmm, almost seeing it as a third party experience. I see the trial, I see the trouble, I see the calamity. I see the story unfolding before me. But I also know within this drama, there's another story unfolding as well. There's another part of this story that is existing as prominent, as powerful, as important, perhaps even more so than that which is currently taking, you know, center stage. The tough part for most of us is accepting that we are loved, really loved, that the divine loves us. It's hard enough to believe that we're loved oftentimes um, when things are going great, but when things are are difficult, dude, it it is so hard. Um, There's a book called The Shack. If you haven't read it, I, I highly suggest that you check it out. Um, but Paul Young, who wrote the shack, said so many believe that it is love that grows, but it is the knowing that grows and love simply expands to contain it. Now, what, what Paul Young is saying is that for so many of us in our experience with the divine, in our experience with our own selves. Because the truth is, and I think that most of you might agree with this, most of you don't love yourself enough, right? Uh, And most of you don't allow God to love you nearly enough. And so what Paul Young is saying, and I think it's brilliant really, is so many believe that love grows, right? My love for God is growing, my you know, all those kinds of things. But the reality is that love always is this huge magnitude. And our knowing, our knowledge grows and love expands. So the more love that you can contain, 
the more expansive or available you are to love, the more you are able to receive, which is exactly what the Bible says. You haven't been perfected in love. You know, I adore the teachings of uh, Siddhartha Gautama, which is also known as Buddha, right? And perhaps one of my favorite points of Buddhism is found in the Four Noble Truths, and it is truth number one, and that is that life is suffering. Now, hang with me for just a moment. Suffering is an interesting translation of what uh, Buddha really said. So many times the words of one language don't translate really that great into another, and that would be the case. Um, So the statement is great until the word suffering, which is really this word called dukkha. And um, dukkha is a word that can be translated into English. Now, the best word is suffering, but there's a variety of sufferings. And one of these sufferings that the Buddha taught about is the... um, one of the reasons why we suffer, one of the reasons why we fear is because we want things to be a specific or certain way that they aren't. That they're not going to be. And so Siddhartha or Buddha goes on to say one of the, re- one of the ways to get rid of suffering is to realize that life is full of suffering. That life and the events that occur within it are impermanent. Um, another really powerful writing uh, is, a, is a writing called the Tao Te Ching, right? And the Tao Te Ching says it this way. Um, hope is as hollow as fear. What does it mean that hope is as hollow as fear? Hope and fear are both phantoms that arise from thinking of the self. When we don't see the self as self, what do we have to fear? See the world as yourself. Have faith in the way things are. Love the world as yourself. Then you can care for all things. And this is an important question, I think, really, honestly, is that so many times you and I think that we are individuals abandoned in the universe to make our own way, and we're so concerned with what's going to happen to me that we lose sight of the fact that there's another narrative There's another story taking place beneath that which is visible, the invisible. That's what the psalmist was talking about. Even in the presence of my enemies. I'll fear no evil. Because the drama playing out before me isn't the only aspect storyline being told. And I think for a lot of us, man, we've created a storyline where we are the victim. We've created a storyline where if I don't get this job or I don't live in this kind of setting. 
if I don't have these things, I'm miserable, I'm upset, I'm unhappy. And the reality is there's another storyline unfolding in your life. It's deeper, um, more powerful, more truthful storyline that has to do with trusting, knowing, and abiding in the divine. You know, I, I think it's a difficult thing for us. I think that most of us struggle with the unity that exists between us and the divine. I think that most of us struggle with the storyline that is so easily and visibly seen in the world around us. And, and I think that that's more of a Western mentality. You know, in the West, uh, and, and by the West I mean the, the, the Americas, really, the entirety of them, we are moved by that which is visible. We are moved by that which is provable. We are moved by that which is tangible. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that. But if we get so immersed in that which is tangible, and, and, and this really even applies to theology. Well, you know, my church believes this, or my pastor said this, or, you know, for a hundred years, you know, we believe that, dude, who cares about all that? Breaking free, becoming the black sheep, choosing to truly find who God is to you, what the divine is to you, what life is to you, what this experience unfolding is to you. This really, this is the purpose of your life. Forget about all that other stuff, right? What you were created for, what you were designed to do, what is it that God has called you to? That's all, that's all bullshit. And, and I don't know how else to say that other than that. So many of us have been sold a lie and we believe I'm called to, you know, write, I'm called to preach, I'm called to evangelize to whatever. No, you're called to live. And in your living, spread the light of the divine to everyone around you. Find your truth. Find that which resonates deeply within you and expand and grow and be in touch with, you know, that's uh, that which is spiritual. And for so many of us, we never get to that point. You know, one of the things that a lot of people have, I mean, trouble with, even with me, is just my affection for Siddhartha or for Buddha, um, who really believed in the concept of no self. Because you can't be a Christian and like something that someone else said, apparently. Um, but he believed in the concept of no self in the sense of a permanent, integral, autonomous being with an individualized existence, what we think of as ourself, our personality, our ego, this is all temporary. You know, I mentioned earlier that we're just a mist, a vapor, a moment in time. And we so deeply identify with the mist 
we so deeply identify with the vapor. And we never dive in to discover you know, who we are at the deepest level. This body, even this persona, our own name will pass respectably in a short amount of time. For some of us, 5, 10, others 20, 30, some 40 and 50, others 60, 70, maybe 80, even 90 years, right? But sooner or later, this persona, the body, the mind, the name, it passes, it's gone. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't so deeply identify with the external circumstances, the story on the outside. Because the story on the outside is where fear exists, right? Fear doesn't... Uh, the Dalai Lama talked about uh, that, that man is like an ocean. There is the shallow part of him, and when the storm comes, the shallow is full of waves and uh, disruption. But in the deepest part of the ocean, it pays no mind to the storm. It's not interrupted by it. It's not moved or challenged or changed by it. And I think that's a good lesson for us. So we started out really talking about fear and the power of fear and some of the things associated with fear. But the reality is fear is a very surfacey emotion. Now, sometimes it's valuable, right? Uh, When fear says don't walk down that dark alley where a bunch of, you know, thugs are standing and fear says, don't do that. That's a, that's a good, that's a good thing, right? You don't want to do that. Don't drive too fast in a construction zone. Fear says, that's, that's a valuable attribute of fear. But for a lot of us, we're ruled by it. And the majority of time is because we're living very shallow lives. And I know, I know that sounds kind of harsh. I know some of you may be like, oh, I'm not living shallow. How dare you? But a lot of us are living very shallow lives. And so the inconsistencies of this life, the impermanence of it all, creeps in and demands attention. And not only does it control the moment, but it controls the next moment and the next moment and then it seeks to control the next day in another way or in another story and it's constantly telling you these stories about why your life isn't worth enjoying but the bible says you know the apostles in the new testament said perfect love casts out fear Trusting the divine, trusting 
You created me. You're with me. And my story. You know, in one part, the Bible talks about God being the author. My story is yours. Hmm. And I choose to live a little deeper than the thunder and lightning that makes its great display around me. I know there's a deeper order to this universe than just the weather. And my security is in that, the divine, the creator. Anyway, man, so that's, um, yeah, I think that's it, dude. I hope you guys grabbed something from this. You know, I, I, I've spent a great deal of my life in fear. And I have my own my own fear, and I'm going to keep that kind of personal to myself. But it is a fear. It's a fear, um, and maybe it isn't, you know, I'm not afraid of being mugged in a, an alley. I don't want that to happen, but I'm not afraid of that. But I have my own fears, the things that I am afraid of by my, you know, in my own existence. And I know deep down that that my fears are a possibility, right? I don't believe in, in like, being abducted by aliens <laughs> or anything weird like that. I believe in something that is a, a, a possibility, Think something that could legitimately happen to me. It happens to people every day, and I have a, I have a, I have a fear of that. But that's only because... There's a part of me that hasn't entirely received how much the divine God loves me. So why don't you think about that for a bit? That the power of your fear isn't in the fear itself. It's in the absence of love. It's in the absence of trust. It's in the absence of you being fully accepted by the divine. All right, guys, that's it. I'm out of here, man. Blessings. See you next week. Done.